Hey everyone, Justin's nephew Jackson wants to tell you where to go if you want to support the show. Yeah. Pay, Pay. Jury. Daily. Daily. Dot com. Nailed it. Friends, it's your old pal Justin Robert Young back with you, back at it again with another episode of the Justin Robert Young podcast. All right, we're gonna talk about TikTok. I want to talk about TikTok this week because I got obsessed with it over the weekend. I never really fucked around with TikTok, but I had understood that it was the platform of choice for the youth. It is so funny to think that now we have stratted so far in our digital lives that TikTok is for the kids, Instagram is for the 20-somethings thinking about becoming 30-somethings, Twitter is for the 30-somethings looking at 40, and Facebook is God's waiting room. <laughs> you are next to death. In the digital world, you are next to death if you are on Facebook primarily. I mean, that would put me where... Now, granted, I made this metaphor up, so I've placed myself where I wanted to be placed, which is on Twitter, which is what I love. I love and hate Twitter. It is it is a very complicated, multifaceted platform that I have a lot of problems with. But it was fascinating to see how inherently... Inherently, whether or not we know it or not, generationally, we are an answer to the previous generation. You know, the, the the generation ahead of me was Generation X. So they were ambivalent. They were lazy. Well, I guess lazy. All the kids get lazy at a certain point. And then I guess my generation was a little bit nerdier and a little bit more active, right? It's like, you know, the, the 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 Zuckerbergs, you know, spring from my cohort, if you will. So that is this idea, it was the blogging revolution. It was this, you know, I guess we were really the first like shock troops in taking down the old guard. It was new for us. It was exciting. We knew both worlds. We knew the world where the old guard was there. The monoculture existed. Everybody got their same information from the Tower of Babel. And we got the very unique privilege of being the first ones to plunge our knives <laughs> like the senators did Caesar and stab repeatedly until we saw the echoing of the old guard sputter out blood on their lips, a to brute. But then the generation behind me just lives in a world of chaos, right? <laughs> so 
in in a lot of ways, I, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about the idea, and 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 I know that this is probably an overblown thing, but the concept that the generation behind me is overly rule followy, right? That they are, uh, which is of course simultaneous. This exists in the simultaneous world where, goddamn, if you dare go on Fortnite Teamspeak or or PUBG Teamspeak or literally. Any kind of uh, uh, video game, <laughs> a place where you are talking publicly, you will heal, hear the most vile stuff on earth. But there is this concept. It is a concept out there that uh, uh, there is, that they're kind of goody two-shoes, that they're all little mini cops. And I'm sure, uh, you know, if I think back hard enough that there have been younger people that I've bristled at the fact that they seem to have uh, lost a little bit of recklessness that I remember of my youth. Although maybe I'm remembering myself a lot more reckless than I was. But then, when you think about it, that makes sense. Because there was an absolute blank slate for them. So they cling to rules. And so I come to TikTok. Bar none, at this point, Snapchat and TikTok are the two uh, uh, big places. I think Instagram's probably big too, but like uh, in terms of fastest growing, and, and if you go on TikTok, you know this is a teen platform. All of the videos that are the most popular are all about some teen shit. You know, 15-year-old boys uh, talking about, hey, let me give you what guys think about, or 16-year-old girls doing the same. There's a lot of challenges. They love these challenges here on TikTok. Oh my god, they're always dancing. They're doing uh they they're doing little memes and stuff like that. All these kids by the way can dance better than I can. <laughs> and and I don't know, maybe it's just me because that's the, the one thing is is TikTok their preferred way that you interact with their platform is that you just literally log you don't even have to log into the app. You open the app and you automatically get a generated username, uh, uh, you can then change that username if you want, right? And you can, you can set up an account. But you just scroll. You watch video after video after video after video. There's no, oh, I'm interested in following X, Y, and Z. It's all AI. So you, you know, depending on how long you stay on a certain video, they determine what you like. They determine what is interesting to you. And goddamn, it wasn't pretty good. Or at least, I don't know, I spent a couple hours fucking with it. My first thought. You know, all these kids are popular. This was something that was also a part of the, the blog culture was the opposite. We wanted the weirdos, the freaks. Similarly with YouTube. You know, it was not the 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 absolutely fresh faced kid that was uh, the most popular on YouTube. It was like Tayzande. Not to say that Tayzande isn't a good looking man. I'm just saying that there was something unique. There was something flawed to the early YouTube, which was fun. Before we even get into all the fail videos, but there I am watching baseball teams do little videos and dance squads. I'm presuming dance squads. Some funny teen comedy. And then Ali Spagnola. Hey, Ali Spagnola's a TikTok star. Who knew? She's great on there. All of her videos are amazing. Go follow Ali Spagnola on TikTok. 
All of it made me think of one thing, though. Oh, my God. Did Twitter fuck up with Vine? Twitter had this entire concept. It had stars that had been built on the Vine platform. You can't look at TikTok and not say, oh, my God, did they not learn all those lessons and build upon them? And furthermore, if Vine had evolved in this direction with the same kind of stuff that they have, the same kind of options on how to search for stuff, they make it really easy because there's this this uh this concept of like you do these challenges that are all song based because a lot of times you're not even recording audio which is another thing that's huge for that platform is that you can get really cool professional looking videos because you don't have to worry about audio and very often audio is the worst part of any kind of amateur video so you have a lot of these but you can search by song for stuff which immediately just brings you to all the memes that use that song including the one that we've been using as our stinger that you're going to hear right now yeah going to do the two step in cowboy boogie grab a sweetheart and spin out with do the whole down We're going to do some old man stuff, some old man internet shit. Craig Newmark, you might know him as the Craig in Craigslist. Had a little interview with The Guardian. Went to his big old house in Greenwich, Connecticut. Now, the the stuff I'm going to get into, and, and again, this, this gets into the shattering of the monoculture. I have, I don't know, uh, Craigslist is something that I never really fucked around with when I was in Florida or New York, but I, I wound up using a lot more when I'm out here in California, because in California, people actually use it. It's not just a sketchy place where, you know, somebody can lure you into a murder dungeon because you think that you're going to buy a $5 lamp. But the biggest thing that Craig Newmark has a legacy for amongst traditional journalism is you're the one who ruined it. You're the one who took this cushy ride that decades worth of reporters and editors and publishers had all relied upon and you ruined it because you were the one to take out the cash cow from under traditional newspaper journalism. We read now from the Guardian article. Some folks have expressed gratitude to Craigslist for life-changing opportunities and finding a spouse or a job. Others condemn it for gutting the classified ad market and accelerating the demise of local newspapers. The ambivalence was captured by a New York Times headline last October that described Newmark as a newspaper villain and another last month that called him a, a new friend to journalism. The latter referred to Newmark's latest act of, phila of philanthropy, a $6 million gift to Consumer Reports, the biggest donation in the 83-year history of the nonprofit watchdog that will be used to set up a digital division to scrutinize products and platforms, including social media. I believe that Craig Newmark did not kill journalism. Journalism killed journalism. And by journalism, I mean professional journalism. Let's go ahead and separate the idea that there are reporters and editors out there that are doing their best to put together stories. And yes, there are problems with bias. And yes, there are problems with inaccuracies. But these are 
the pitfalls of an industry. No matter how amazing your favorite restaurant is, at some point, they have put out a dish that had some hair in it. You just hope it's not ball hair. But to be totally honest, they probably put some ball hair out there at some point, too. People got a scratch. The saying goes that everything was peachy keen in the world of uh, newspaper journalism until two industries totally fell apart. Number one, the classifieds. They were gigantic moneymakers for newspapers. You needed to get some word, the word out on something. You needed to sell something. You paid X amount of money. It was fairly affordable. Everybody was happy. You got in the classifieds. Bada bing, bang, boom. You needed something. That's where you looked. Craigslist comes in, takes that over. Then you had auto circulars. These were gigantic, gigantic advertising revenue for newspapers. Gone. Because there's easier ways to shop for cars than looking at the newspaper, especially if no one's buying the goddamn newspaper. And so all of a sudden, everything got threadbare. Now, what that doesn't mention is the fact that the newspaper industry, as much as I dearly love it, I mean, there in in a hundred universes, ninety eight of them, I'm a newspaper writer. All right, I think we're in the only pocket universe where I'm sitting by myself in my apartment and talking to you via this microphone. But they're an arrogant industry, and they certainly were in the late nineties. They believed that there was nothing that was ever going to touch them. They wandered aimlessly into the internet. They had no idea how to monetize it. They had, and, and by the time that they realized they were getting their lunch eaten, they panicked and did the worst possible things. They put up rigid paywalls. They uh, didn't understand how to get the word out. And then they made deals with every awful actor on the internet because they're desperate for anybody who's going to give them money to stem their tide. Craig Newmark did not kill the newspaper industry. They were too busy committing suicide. Yeah. Gonna do the two-step and cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin out with them. Do the hold down and get into it. Take it to the left now. You can always email the show, jurydaily at gmail.com, jurydaily at gmail.com. Scale writes in, it suddenly occurs to me that we now live in a world where x-ray glasses are possible. This gets back to our deep nudes conversation that we've been having for the last week. All you need is a Google Glass and a high-speed connection to a supercomputer. It is possible to in almost real time snap a picture of somebody and have the nudified image of them displayed into your Google Glass almost immediately. Truly, we are people of the future. What an exciting new frontier we face. Still, it's about as sketch as having impure thoughts of your relatives, like our other email. What's up with that, am I right? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think it was Ken that wrote in and I said siblings instead of celebrities and he's he's just he's still getting emails about it. I apologize, Ken. That is so on me. I really do apologize for that. All right, one more thing. Uh Robert wrote this isn't necessarily for Jury Daily. I just wanted to follow up on something. I heard on TMS last week you talk about Ross Perot and you mentioned Ken Follett's on the Wings of Eagle. I read the book. It's excellent. 
I only knew Perot was this crazy politician that uh, tanked the HW's campaign, but after reading it, I was wholly impressed with his character. I think it's worth a read, especially by somebody who loves the characters of politics. I might even reread it. Uh, On the Wings of Eagles, uh, by the way, is a book written about Ross Perot, <laughs> who decided that after one of his companies was taken hostage during the Iranian Revolution, he basically got a team of mercenaries to go get him out and demanded that he go with them. Now, Robert, the only thing that I would offer to you is just keep in mind that Perot did <laughs> commission that book to be written himself. So, you know, look, I, I, I'm taking nothing away from the man. I think he has a very, very fascinating legacy. But just know where that where where the bread was buttered on that particular tome. I want to thank our producers, Bill, Dustin, Br uh, Robert H., Brian C., M., Trey, the Melodica Man, Adam, and Middle-Aged Mike, as well as Harry Lee Smith. You can, again, email me, jurydaily at gmail.com. Again, jurydaily at gmail.com. I want to thank Open Bayou for giving us our jury story for today. He did that in our Discord. You can join him, bit.ly slash discord. Until tomorrow, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young asking you very politely to please give a round of applause to Mr. Wacky, but more importantly, please don't Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>